Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Those last few verses of today's text are perhaps some of the most familiar and comforting verses in the entire Gospel of Matthew. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You can almost feel the sense of relief in those words, can't you? But listen closely, and you'll hear the word burden. Jesus is talking about heavy burdens, and so is the Apostle Paul in today's text in Romans. So now we're going to hear what they're both saying about those burdens and the rest, the peace, the relief from those burdens. But before we get too far down that road, we're going to take a closer look at the verses leading into Jesus' proclamation. For starters, the context is that John the Baptist is in prison, and he had sent word by his disciples to ask Jesus if he's really the one they've been waiting for. He'd heard about the miracles Jesus had been performing. Now as he sat in prison, he wasn't so sure anymore that Jesus is the one he'd first thought. And remember, John the Baptist was literally the first person to point to Christ and say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He baptized Jesus. He heard, he heard God the Father proclaim, This is my Son, the Beloved. And yet, as John sits in prison, he's not so sure anymore. After all, his life certainly did not seem to be going well. And wouldn't you expect a better life for the God-appointed messenger of Christ, the one who literally baptized God? Jesus answers the question John's disciples brought back, And he then turns to the crowd to talk to them, and he does not hold back. He's been out and about, performing miracles, choosing disciples, preaching for a while at this point, and he is very aware of the way people are reacting to him. Some are desperate for his healing, his salvation, while others accused him of breaking the laws They wanted nothing more than for Jesus to go away, leave them alone. Those are the people Jesus is talking about in the first part of today's text. The people who want nothing to do with him. The people who were constantly trying to trap him and trick him. So in the first part of this text, Jesus is describing the different accusations John the Baptist and Jesus himself had received. And he's making it clear it wasn't really about how they were living, eating, or drinking. It was all about what Jesus was doing and saying. That's why the accusations came. He was turning everything upside down. And those who thought they were pretty good at the law, at life, did not like it one little 
spit. This is what Jesus is talking about in his next words, starting with verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. In this prayer to his Father, Jesus is telling us why it is he actually did and still does turn everything upside down. Wisdom, the smart people, those for whom life is going as planned would expect that they would be the first to understand who Jesus really is and what he came to do. But it is those same smart people who are calling him names and making accusations against him. Now, I suspect at this point, some of you may be trying to do a quick assessment of your intelligence and wisdom, because clearly it does not sound like a good thing to be one of the intelligent, wise people, since apparently it is God's will to hide himself from the smart people. Why on earth would that be the case? Isn't intelligence and wisdom something we admire, even strive for? Well, yes. When it comes to matters of this world, we do strive for intelligence and we do gain and value wisdom. We tend to admire people who've been gifted with great intellect and wisdom. After all, these same people seem to have won life's lottery, right? They're successful, they live in the right neighborhoods, they drive the right cars. So we would certainly expect that they would be the ones to whom God reveals his truth, right? Yep. <laughs> Instead, Jesus is saying that God is revealing his truth to little children, to the simple, the humble, the sinners, the ones who flock to Jesus, the ones who are not arguing about being named sinner, but are instead running to him for healing, salvation, even resurrection from the dead. Now, it would be easy to stop at this point and turn this sermon into an attack on intelligent, successful people and a lifting up of those on the other end of the scale. But that's not quite what Jesus is getting at either. And we know this from his very next words. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Believe it or not, these words of Christ are as comforting as those familiar words at the end of this text, because Jesus is saying the same thing in a different way. When Jesus says, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him, he's telling you and me, there is no other way to know 
who God truly is, merciful, forgiving. Jesus is crystal clear and categorical here. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And there it is. Jesus, the Son of God, is the only way to truly know God the Father. No exceptions, no alternatives, no other possibilities. It is Christ and Christ alone who reveals God to us, who delivers God's mercy to us, his forgiveness. There are absolutely, categorically, no other options, no alternative paths to God, period. No amount of intelligence, wisdom, theological jargon, or speculation can or will deliver God's truth to you. No other religions, no other gods, no other philosophies can or will deliver God's truth to you. So, what is that truth? What does it mean to say Jesus reveals who God truly is? For that, we're going to go back to the Apostle Paul. Paul, the self-proclaimed zealous Jew before being apocalypsed by Christ on the road to Damascus. This is how he put it in the text from Romans for today, starting with verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. The evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. This is not an overstatement for Paul. He is not speaking simply for effect here. This is a confession of his sin, his selfishness, his inability to follow God's own laws, even though he knew those laws as well as anyone. So let's go back to the intelligent and the wise. And let's dig deeper into the burdens Jesus is talking about. Because those burdens are precisely the same thing the Apostle Paul is talking about as, I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. The burden of intellect, the burden of making the right decisions, taking the right job, voting for the right person. It's chasing after the law all the time. Constantly revisiting your decisions, what you said, what you didn't say. It's being haunted by your own inner voice. The voice that won't shut off no matter how hard you try to tell yourself you did the right thing, that the problems you're experiencing right now aren't really your fault. The burdens are the voice that says, if only, dot, dot, dot. Paul knew all of this. He knew the burden of being gifted with intelligence and wisdom. And he knew God's law better than just about anyone else. He knew in his heart of hearts 
he was not loving God with all his heart, soul, and mind. And he was not loving his neighbor as himself. He was not obeying God's law. He was as self-aware as you can get, even more than Oprah or the latest self-help fad. He could not shut off that constantly accusing voice in his head. And so he cried out, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will stop his and our selfishness, worry, anxiety? This is precisely what Jesus is talking about in the last few lines of today's gospel text when he says, Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens. The heavy burdens Jesus is talking about are our worries, our anxiety, the voice in our head that will not stop, our not trusting God to provide daily bread, let alone deliver us from sin, death, and the devil. Put flatly, our sin But Jesus does not stop there, and Paul didn't either. Jesus continues, Come to me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus and Jesus alone will give you rest, the peace that surpasses all understanding. He is telling you and me where to run when we are assaulted by worry and stress. We run to him. We come to him, and Jesus will give us rest. And he does this by giving you his promise of forgiveness in your baptism in the Lord's Supper, and out of the mouth of a preacher. This is Jesus choosing to reveal God the Father to you, here and now, so that you now know who God truly is. Merciful, forgiver, so that you will have rest in your souls, even if only for a moment. No worries, no anxiety, only Christ's promise planted deep in your heart. You are mine, forgiven child of God. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.